Thank you for tuning in to Lexington Road Ministries podcast. We're so thankful that you chose to stop by. We hope you enjoy today's message. I have been studying the book of Genesis for a while, and man, I am just gleaning some great stuff from it. Uh, I'm speaking tonight on prayer. And uh, what it is and what it is not. Something we all know that we should do, but most of us don't uh, do it very successfully and don't do it very often, amen? Not as often as we could, thank you. Not as often as we should. And uh, I'm a dear fan of Miles Monroe. I don't know if you've ever heard him or not, but some of us are... Fans in the house of Dr. Monroe. He is in glory right now. And he did this wonderful teaching, and Isaac told me about it last week and sicked me on that, and I just thank him so much because he brought that to my attention. Uh, And I wanted to talk about that tonight, about what he said that provoked me so, I guess, powerfully, provoked me to know more about this creator that we have. But John Wesley once said this, without God, man cannot. And without man, God will not. Now, that is a whole mouthful there, and I'm going to explain that as I go along. On earth, man can do nothing without God, but God will do nothing on earth without us. And this in fact, is a partnership between the two of us, between human beings and our creator. So whatever happens on earth depends on us. And I talked about this a few weeks ago, about the things that we allow to take place in our life, the things that are attracted to us because of our attitudes or because of uh, the things that we believe. Some people attract um, bad bad things to them because they have this attitude all the time about, uh, you know, they're down all the time. They don't see any good in anything. And then there are others that attract positive things to them all the time because they're always looking at things positively. It's like the pessimist and the optimist, whether the glass is half full or it's half empty. Uh, But anyway, the definition of prayer that Miles Monroe talked about was prayer is an earthly license for heavenly interference. It is an earthly license for heavenly interference. Prayer is not an option, but it is a necessity. And prayer is not a religious activity. It is a legal activity. What in the world are you talking about? I'm going to explain that just in a moment. You can only understand the legality of prayer When it's viewed by kingdom principles or kingdom concepts, the most powerful creatures on this earth is you, the human being. Now, I've said a mouthful there. Why? Why humans? How could humans be the most powerful creatures on the earth? God only gave legal authority on earth to human beings, to man. We were the only creation that he said go and take dominion of the earth so when you look at that you got to ask yourself the question what is a human what are we you don't have a spirit 
but you are a spirit. You don't have it. That's what you are. You are a spirit being. When God created you, he created you in his image and in his likeness. God is a spirit. So when he said, let us make man in our image, he made us a spirit. That's what we are, a spiritual being. But we live in a dirt body. I call it the earth suit. We live in flesh. But this flesh was made by dirt. So that's why we are a spirit and yet we're dirt. You live in a dirt body. You came from dust. In fact, Genesis 2 and 7 says, Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. 100% dirt. So that's why when you look at yourself in the mirror or you compare yourself to someone else to see if you're better looking or taller or a little bit more muscular or whatever, you don't need to judge yourself by this dirt that you have because after all, it's just dirt. Doesn't matter if it's tall or short, fat or skinny, it's just dirt. So all of us are dirt. We need to quit, you know, we need to get over ourselves because we're all dirt. Amen? Amen. Nothing but dirt. And the word for dirt is humus, H-U-M-U-S. The Hebrew word for man is ish, I-S-H. I looked that up this week. And that was a spirit being. God created ish. Remember the sermon I preached on the God I love, Isha? Call me Isha, your husband. That is what God created man to be, a spirit being. Hebrew word for man is ish, the spirit being. And the Hebrew word for dirt is humus. And so in Genesis, he used the word ish, let us create ish. Let us create a spirit being. His body is humus or dirt. God took that ish or the spirit and put him in the dirt into humus and they drop the middle s when you look at humus and man they drop the middle s and put the two together hue man so that just simply says that we are a spirit in dirt made out of dirt a spirit dropped into dirt and god said to the human to this dirt and spirit, he said, have dominion over the earth. Genesis 1:26, God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea. Them who? Humans. Let the humans have dominion over everything, over the fish, the fowls, the, the creatures that roam on the earth. We are to take dominion of the entire planet a spirit in a dirt body. The only being that has, in fact, legal rights on earth to function as a leader by God, to dominate, to rule, is human. Dirt or man in dirt. Spirit in a dirt body. So here's the mystery. Any spirit, and I want you to listen to this, 
Because I hear people all the time, do you believe in ghosts? Do you believe in this? Do you believe in that? you believe in haunted houses? I'm going to tell you something. I, I believe in a very active imagination. That's what I believe in. <laughs> because when I was a little girl, there was always something living under my bed. And if it was dust, it was either coming or going. I don't know which one. Because we always had a lot of dust under there, and I knew there was something forming under there. But I would step way out from the bed because if I got too close to the edge, it was going to grab my foot. I do not believe that spirits roam the earth. Now, I'm going to tell you why. Any spirit without a dirt body is illegal here on this earth. The dirt body legalized us. It says, let this dirt body, this spiritual dirt body, have dominion over the earth. Anything else is illegal. If you don't understand that concept about the Bible, you, the rest of it won't make any sense to you, including the incarnation of Christ. Because the Latin word for flesh, carnal, or carno, was dirt, and incarnate was in the flesh. Incarnation means a spirit and a dirt man became a human. And so that is the creation, that is the incarnation of Christ, is that carnal, in the flesh, God came. And so the Latin word for that is carno. Now you know why demons are illegal here on the earth. That's why demons are trying to possess a body to live in. Because they are trying to be legal. Demon possession is a spirit that is trying to use a body so that they can be legal and wreak havoc on the earth. I believe that there's a whole lot of people that are demon possessed and they're walking around us and you don't even know it. But they have this spirit that has this dirt body now can do what it wants. Uh, I'm, you know, you talk about most of our ideas from demon possession came from movies, The Exorcist and all these kind of things. And Oh, we get so scared about all that. But can I tell you that we have power over demons, amen. That's why we can cast them out because you have a body. You're legal. You can say to that demon that it is not legal. It cannot abide here. It cannot stay here. So you cast it out because God has given you dominion or authority to do that. The demon has no authority. That is something the devil doesn't want you to know. So you cast him out and you tell him that he's illegal. He has no authority here because you're the legal one because you are a spirit in a dirt body. Your most powerful weapon that you possess in this life is not your spirit, but it is the dirt body. And I say that because we live on the earth. That is why when you lose your body, even we become illegal. Spirits live on. And when you lay down and you die, your spirit is going to live on. But now that your body is dead, it is, your spirit is no longer legal here on the earth. And that's why the Bible says, 
To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. When we leave here, when we close our eyes in death and we fold up this earthly tent, we're no longer around here because we're illegal. Spirits never die. And when you lose it, you have to leave. Your body keeps you legal on the earth. God chose to make himself, even himself, illegal on the earth. What in the world am I talking about? Let me explain it for a minute. He said, let them have dominion. He did not say, let them and us have dominion. He said, let us make man in our image and let's let them have dominion. God didn't have a dirt body. In fact, over and over you read in the scriptures where it says that God was a spirit and no man has seen him. We haven't seen God the Father because he is a spirit. And even himself, he holds himself to that law. Let them have dominion. God did not have a dirt body. When God speaks his word is law. When he says, let them have dominion, that was his word, it was law. And if he did that, then if he took precedence in this world without us agreeing to it, he would be breaking his own laws. And he will not break his law because he wants us to know that his word is what he said that it would be. And he will not deviate from that. So God needs us human beings to work on earth because he will not break his law. That's how powerful we are. That's why I said you, your dirt body, this body that you have is the most important thing that you possess here on this earth because God has given you the authority to do great things in this fleshly body or in this dirt body. There's seven principles to prayer. You say, I thought you was going to talk about prayer. Well, I've got to explain all that to you about legal and not legal. But there's seven principles to prayer. And the one is the legal authority was given to humans. Number two, God did not include himself to reign on the earth. And that wasn't because that he was weak. It was because that he would never break his word. He said, we are to rule and reign on the earth. And number three, man became the legal steward of earthly domain. Remember, he told parables over and over and over about when the master would leave the house, he would leave a steward in charge of it and that he would come again and he would ask the steward, what did he do with the, the authority that was given to him? So, hey, folks, one of these days we're going to stand before him and give account of what we did here in this body, in this earth body that he's given us. Number four, only spirits in a physical body are legal on earth. That's you and I. We are a spirit, but we have a legal body. Number five, any spirit without a dirt body is illegal on earth. That includes God himself. That includes the demons. That includes your mama when she passed away or your father, your child. It would be illegal for them to stay here. They are in the presence of God. And so... Any supernatural influence on earth, number six, is only legal through a humus man, a human. I've got a question. When Eve was about to pick the fruit from the tree, why didn't God stop her? Don't you think that would have 
fixed a whole lot of issues that we're having today. Why didn't he say, stop, don't do that? He heard the conversation. He knew everything that was going on. Why didn't he interfere? The Almighty God couldn't stop. He could not stop her because he was held to his own law. He could not interfere with what was going to happen. Because if God came in and interfered, he would have violated his own word. And if he violates his own word, you and I can never trust him. Even the devil knows that. That God will stand by his word. And that's what is so important because when the devil heard God say, let us make man in our image and let us give them dominion over the earth, the devil was real happy about that because he knew God would not break his word. He knew that he, he didn't say, I'm going to have dominion over the earth or I'm going to rule this planet. No, he said this human, this humus man, this dirt man with a spirit is going to rule the earth. And so the devil knows that God's not going to break his promise. God's not going to break his word. I lived with him forever and a day. I know God. I know what he means and he is going to stick to his word. And so the devil connived and thought about this thing. How can I change the situation? But there was only one problem is that Satan was a spirit. He is a celestial being. And so he needed a body in order to be legal, in order to operate in this realm that we call the world. And so here it is again, number seven, God is faithful to his word. In fact, you could almost say that God allowed the fall of man because of his own faithfulness. But you know what about God is that nothing takes him by surprise. And he saw from the foundation of the world even before he ever created all this, he knew what was going to happen. God is, knows everything. And the devil knew it. And so he was glad. We became independent from our father when Eve decided I'm going to go against God and Adam decided to go against God and even the Holy Spirit could not be legal here on this earth to dwell here on this earth because it was held to the same principles. It is a spirit. The Old Testament, there was never an incident where the Holy Spirit lived in a human. When they prophesied, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit came upon them but it never said it came in them or that it lived in a dirt house or a dirt body. Genesis 3, it says in that chapter, the whole thing fell apart and God can't come in, but the devil wasn't counting on the fact that God could speak. He could come in that garden and speak. He could not walk in the garden with a body or with his spirit, but he could speak. And it says there in Genesis 3 and 8, and they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? And this is what 
is amazing about that promise that he gave the devil or gave the serpent. Listen to what he said. He said to the devil, you know, you got me because you knew I would hold to my own laws and I cannot come in and interfere with this situation with this spirit dirt body. But I tell you what I will do. He said, I'm going to give you a promise. This woman that you used is going to give me a body and I'm going to become legal because she's going to give me a body. That was the promise when he said, her seed shall defeat your seed. He knew that he was going to take a body. Now you know why God had to, became a man, had to become a man. He had to indwell in a earth body. He had to. That was God in the flesh. In fact, the Old Testament, the entire complete Old Testament is a repetition. And I've talked to you all about that many times, about these stories. It is a repetition of, I am coming, I am coming, I am coming, I am coming. That's all he talks about through the Old Testament. The promise that was given in Genesis 3, he is saying over and over and over again, my spirit can't come unless it goes into a dirt body. And when he was incarnate, Christ, when he, the spirit of God came into that baby boy, born in Bethlehem, now God is legal. Amen. Isaiah has details. It says, the virgin shall be with child. His name shall be called Emmanuel, M N Man L God, in Man God. This is what Emmanuel means: God inside of a man's body, God inside of a dirt body. Isaiah nine said, "For unto you a child is born, not a son, but a child is born." Mary was the mother of the child, but she was not the mother of the son. She was the mother of a child, a dirt man. And he said, I'm putting the son inside the child. I'm putting the spirit of God inside the child. And now you're going to have God in flesh. And so I'm putting this Son inside the child. The son is Elohim. The child will make the son legal. And 4,000 years later, in the fullness of time, God sent his son, born of Mary. And the angel said, you shall call this child Jesus, which, mean, which was Yeshua, Savior, Joshua, Savior. Uh, but you won't name the son you're going to name the child, which was Jesus, but the son's name is Christ, the anointed one. God with us. You shall call his name Jesus. God came into the human race legally, hallelujah, through the form of his son. Now he can do business without breaking any of his own laws. And that is why God needs you and I, because we have a body to do anything on this earth. And now you understand why the Holy Spirit possesses your body because it needs a earth suit. And he said, I can't go around the earth unless and, and be legal unless I possess a body. And Jesus said, I 
am going away. It is imperative for you that I go away. He said, because if I go away, if I don't go away, the spirit can't come. The spirit will be illegal. But he said, if I go away, then the spirit shall come and you shall be endued with the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit will do remarkable things through you. That's why we need to pray to be endued with power from on high because God is counting on his humans to be filled with his spirit. He's legal when he comes in this body. He can do great and marvelous things with a Holy Ghost filled body. If you'll remember, and this is what I was talking about a few weeks ago, that God wants us to take dominion. He wants us to take charge even so much so that he says, command me. It's almost like he's saying, I dare you to ask me to do it. I dare you to ask me to do it. God sees a problem with a, a town called Sodom and Gomorrah and he brings these angels that were in a earth body, possessed an earth body, to Abraham. And he says, I'm getting ready. Now, why did he tell Abraham that? I'm getting ready to go over there and I'm going to blast them off the face of this planet. And Abraham began to pray. But what if there's 50 righteous people over there? Surely you won't destroy a whole town if there's 50. No, I will not destroy it for 50. Well, wait a minute now. And he began to pray more. What if there's 40? What if there's 30? What if there's 20? All through that, God said, you name it, you name it, you tell me how many Abraham got down to 10. What if there are 10 righteous people in Sodom? God said, you've got a bargain there. That's what you're asking for? I won't destroy it for 10 righteous people. God is always asking us, what do you want me to do? How many times did the Savior walk up to someone and said, do you want to be healed? Because frankly, sometimes just even looking at ourselves sometimes, I don't know whether we want to be healed. It's like we're collecting our money from the government, but don't pray for my healing because that'll cut out my food stamps and my, my welfare check. <laughs> I'm meddling now. Have you ever read Frank Peretti's book on this present darkness? That's an old one. Oh, that's a good one. You need to get that out of the collection, blow the dust off of it and read it again. Because one of the things in his book was talking about the spiritual warfare that's going on around us. And the angels that were waiting for someone to pray, God told them to do something, but they had to wait for a man to give the order. And they were the town was going pot <laughs> the town was dying the town was going to hell in a handbasket and he said all I need is for a man to pray to dispatch angels but no one was praying and the devil was taking authority 
until finally somebody decided, I know what we need to do. We need to pray. We need to pray. Amen. We need to ask God. We need to petition him. We need to say what we want and what we desire. Daniel prayed. And the, the answer didn't come for 21 days. And I've got a feeling that I'm thinking about in fact, he explained to him, I had the answer coming the first day. God heard you, God answered first day, but I was, I was uh, stopped. I was interfered with by another angel, an evil angel that stopped me from bringing it. I wonder if anyone else would have been praying with Daniel to fight those things in the heavenly realm. Would the answer have come quicker? And I believe that it would have. God said in Isaiah 4, 45 and 11, thus saith the Lord, the Holy One of Israel and his maker, ask me of things to come concerning my sons and concerning the work of my hands. Command ye me. Please command me, he's saying. Speak to me and tell me what it is that I need to do. Because you are the one with dominion. You are the legal one here on this earth. God is begging us to give him the orders. Pray, pray, pray. James 4 and 2 says, you have not because you ask not. Jeremiah 33 and 3, my husband said this was God's telephone number. Call unto me and I will answer thee. When God said, let us make man in our likeness, in our image, you can tell what God had in mind when he created us. Why? Because he made the territory before he made us. He made this planet. He designed this beautiful planet and he had a plan. He wants his kids to have power just like their dad. Genesis 2 is so important because removing us from the spirit world and moving us into the natural world is what God plans so that we could have dominion over the earth. He says, I want you to go out into the world and take dominion. Therefore, the key to your power on earth is your body. It's your dirt suit that takes you out of the spirit world and into this earth or this planet. He said, let them have dominion over the earth. Not in heaven. Why? Because that's where God's dominion is. That's where he rules and reigns. He wants us to have dominion over this planet that he created for us. Some of us can't wait to get to heaven. We're so enamored with heaven. We sing songs in our songbook about it. In fact, we think that's what heaven's all about. When we all get to heaven, what? A, and you know, I've sung that. I want to go to heaven. But actually, I'm going to bust your bubble because I almost got ran out of church for teaching this one time. I really did. Because I made a mistake of telling them that they weren't going to live in heaven. They were going to live here on earth for the rest of eternity. Ah, they almost crucified me that day. I'll have you know I'm going to heaven. I'm going to glory. That's where my grandma is and that's where I'm going. Well, then open the book of Revelation chapter 21. 
Don't argue with me about it. Let's see what the Bible says about it. Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no more sea. Then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain for the Former things have passed away. Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give of the fountains of the water of life freely to him who thirsts. He who overcomes shall inherit all things. And I will be his God and he shall be my son. But the cowardly, unbelieving, abominable, murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. He made this planet for you and I. He made it for us. And it's a beautiful place that our Father has prepared for us. Remember what the bridegroom is doing while... He is away. He said, I go and prepare a place for you. And the new Jerusalem will be our home. It will come out of heaven sitting right here on this terra firma. Heaven, can I tell you this, is not really the best place for us. A man with a dirt suit. That's God's domain. Here is where he made us to rule and reign. When we read about those in heaven now, what are they doing? I, you know, I've always had this image of they're floating on a cloud with their little harp. Bling, bling. And they've got a little set of wings back there fluttering from cloud to cloud. The Bible doesn't describe that in the least. In fact, it says the saints that are there now are crying. They're under the altar and they're saying, how long? How long? What are they saying? They want to know when it is going to be their time to rule and reign. That's what God always intended for you and I. In fact, he said, don't you know that one day you're going to judge the angels? He said, I'm going to make you a kingdom of priests and kings. We're going to judge the world. That's why the resurrection is designed to get us out of heaven. He wants to get rid of his kids. How many of you like for your kids to live with you for the rest of their life? I don't want none of my kids to move in. In fact, Shelby wanted me to move in, and I, I had made plans to do that, and then I thought, nah. <laughs> I'll wait till she has to change my diaper before I do that. <laughs> <laughs> it's, 
It's in our best interest, folks, to move out of daddy's house. That's when we know we're adults, is that we're standing on our two feet and we're making our way because he wants us to rule and reign like he does. Now, this is a true story. There was a, a king that was ruler of Portugal, and he had lived a long time, just like the Queen of England. I, I imagine her, her sons or grandsons are asking, how long? <laughs> when am I going to come into my kingdom? But anyway, the king's son was saying, I want to be king. And the king said, the daddy said, you can't be king, I'm king. But they had waged a war or a scrimmage against uh, South America. And they took over Brazil. And he said, I'll tell you what. He said, I'm going to let you rule Brazil. You'll be the king of Brazil. This is a true story. And I'll make you a king. And so he did. And now his son is a king. But when the son goes to the daddy's house, he's a prince. In fact, when the king goes to his son's house, he's a prince. But when they are in their own domains, they are kings. That's why it says that he is Lord of lords and king of kings. Not necessarily kings of this world like we have in England and uh, all these other royal nations. He said he's going to, he is a king of kings because we are a royal nation, a priesthood. Amen. Am I about out of time? So Jesus said when he prayed for us, Lord, don't take them out of this world. He said, keep them from the evil of this world. But he never prayed for God to take us out of this world because he knew that this was his plan because he wants us here on this earth. He provided this dirt body so that it will live forever. That's why he provided healing and medicines. And in fact, when he drove Adam and Eve out of the garden, Adam lived over 900 years after he left the Garden of Eden because they were eating from the tree of life. And as you see, as man began to progress one generation after the other, they lived less and less and less and less because it began to affect their DNA. But as long as they were eating from the tree of life, this earth suit, this earth body is able to live. The water from the river sustained them the leaves from the tree of life offered them health and long life and we're going to go back to that. So he provided this dirt body so that it would live forever. When we have access to the tree of life again, we again will live forever. And in fact, the Bible says in, during the millennial reign that if a evil man dies at 100 years old, he will be considered a baby. That it would not be uncommon for a man to live the whole thousand years during Christ's reign. After the reign of Christ, there's something coming that is beyond belief for this world because the book of Revelation talks about there will be a new heaven and a new earth. It's not going to be this, but it's in fact, it's no more sea. It's going to be totally new. 
But even in the resurrection, you're not going to come back as a spiritual body. You're not going to be celestial. They will be able to touch and feel you. What did Jesus look like in the resurrection? They recognized him. Although he had the power to do what? Walk through walls. He still ate. He was there on the seashore and he was hollering at the, his disciples saying, brothers, have you caught any fish? And one of them, Peter recognized him and swam to the shore and Jesus ate breakfast with them. So in this body that is resurrected, it is still going to be an earth suit or a dirt body. When you put a grain of corn in the ground, that's the seed, one grain. Look what comes up from one grain, a stalk of corn with two or three ears of corn on the stalk. So that explains to us in the resurrection, our body is going to be unbelievably convenient. <laughs> no more knees that break down and arthritis and old age. And I mean, you're going to look at me in that period of my life and you're going to say, Turned out all right. <laughs> so prayer is not a religious activity. Prayer is a legal activity. Prayer is saying, God, I want you to heal my pastor's wife. God is saying, command me. Heal Lisa. Lord, I want you to heal Marilyn. Put cartilage in between those bones and take that arthritis out of her back and her legs. Make her slim, Lord. <laughs> Help her to quit being so fat. Because that's part of my problem. In fact, that's a big part of my problem. Prayer is a legal activity. And he is wanting us to realize that we are kings and priests and we have the authority to say to this one or to that one, go, come, do this, do that. Oh, if we would only grasp that. If we would only grasp how low we are living compared to how high we could be. This creator intended the very best for us. And he said, I want you to be like me. I've created you like me. I've created you to have the same desires that I have. Go ahead, Sister Loretta. The same feelings, the same compassion, the same love. I've created you to be a creator, to make things, to improve things, to move the earth, to take the trees and build a house, to create a family, to live together in harmony. He had such wonderful plans for us. It is a kingdom that is like none other. 
But if we would only grasp that, what God has in store for us. Stand with me all over this house. struggling with their faith for a long time. You haven't said anything to anybody, but you've even questioned yourself whether or not God even exists. Because you see things, you pray about them and you don't see the fruit of that prayer. You can't possibly believe that God would care anything. If God is such a good God, then why is he allowing this to happen or that to happen? I want you to know tonight, I want you to understand that God is not standing up there aloof, away from you, not caring. His heart breaks when your heart breaks. He cries when you cry. He loves you more than you could ever imagine. But he is limited by his own faithfulness, by his own word. And he has not left us comfortless, but he's left us with a Holy Ghost, with the Holy Spirit. And what was he? A comforter. He would lead you and guide you into all truth. But because the God of this world has blinded you, you have believed a lie. Believed a lie whether or not he even exists. I don't think you're a weakling for believing that. Some of the greatest people I know, some of the people with the strongest faith that I know have fallen under the same deception. But can I tell you that the Holy Spirit has sent me here tonight to tell you that He loves you. He came to die for you. He always watches out for you. He will be with you till the end of the age. And even if you don't believe in him, he believes in you. He still loves you. He still loves you. And I'm not going to call you out. I'm simply going to ask all of us to come around this altar and pray. And you know who you are, and I want you to come down here if you can. If you feel led in that way, if what I've said tonight makes any sense whatsoever about who he is and what he does, I want you to reason with him. Tell him, Lord, I'm sorry, but I'm having a hard time. I'm having a hard time getting my mind around everything that I've been going through. 
and I can't understand why you haven't done anything about it. But he says, command ye me. He's looking at you on the edge of that pool and says, would you like to be healed? He's asking you tonight, would you like to be healed? Come on, church. Let's come around this altar and let them work it out.